escapes me Cling to my pillow like a bride I pass the time closing corners of my mind I have something there to hide Oh sin, oh sin It leaves me here without and hollowed out within So today in our gospel, we see how Jesus is, in, Jesus is saying to us, you know, that line that stuck out for me is how hard children, he says, he calls us children, he says how hard it is for us to enter the kingdom of God. And he's speaking specifically about our wealth and how when you have things, He's not saying it's bad to have things. He's just saying it's when you have a lot of things, it's more of a temptation to miss the point of life. When you have a lot of things, it's easier to get so absorbed in this temporal life that we forget about the eternal life to come. And so as as Catholics, we want to bring a sobering philosophy of life into the world. That our philosophy of life isn't just merely amass goods and enjoy yourself and avoid suffering at all costs. That philosophy of life does pervade our culture. It's entered our church. It's entered our schools. It's entered um, all areas of, of government. It's entered the sports arena. It's entered everything. You know, we all struggle with this idea that we have to maximize our pleasure and enjoyment of life and minimize suffering to the greatest degree possible. But as Christians, as Catholics, as followers of Jesus, to be a Catholic is to be a disciple. And one of the most important things we can bring into the world as as Catholics is the fullness of reality. To invite people to ponder not just success in the temporal order, but to ponder, are you being successful in your attaining eternal life? And Jesus says very clearly in the gospel that it's impossible for us to attain eternal life, basically. And what he's saying is, on your own, you cannot go to heaven. You cannot make it to heaven on your own, good, just good works. You know, we need the grace of God. Because, see, grace soaks and saturates our intentionality for why we do what we do. There's people that do a lot of good things humanitarian, you know, a lot of great humanistic, you know, natural human, you know, it's just good stuff, which is great. But we have to look at the intention of the heart. And the only one that can look at the intention of the heart is me and God. I can't judge your intentions and you can't judge mine. But I can look at your actions and say, that's a good action or that's a bad action. And so it's God and I, through my prayer time and through grace, that can examine my intentions for doing what I do, saying what I say, acting how I act or not. So the Holy Spirit wants to come into us and give us a deeper awareness of the purpose of life, of why we're here, of why we are baptized into this church. And in our second reading it says, The word of God is living and effective, sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating even between soul and spirit, joint and marrow, able to 
discern reflections and thoughts of the heart. The word of God. So why does God give us his word? Why does he give us a church? He gives us a church so that his word will not be watered down or taken from. That his word will be a pure fountain through which we drink every Sunday. Through the hearing of the gospel, through the preaching of the word, it breaks our hearts open to look and get an honest assessment of where am I in this journey from earth to heaven? Where do I fall? You know, Lord, help me. This is what we call the examine. We, we daily look at our lives and we examine our lives. Well, this spirit of, or this philosophy of life that kind of has cast a shadow over our society of maximize pleasure, minimize suffering at all costs, it's kind of like the Lord was showing me the angel of death that came into Egypt. It's kind of like a very subtle way that, that comes through the television, to the books we read, the magazines, the television, all, all of these things, the workplace, the school. And, and we have to, that the point of us having a Catholic school is to help the children to develop a philosophy of life that doesn't just live for maximizing pleasure and minimizing suffering at all costs, but that we teach the children that life is much greater than that. Life is about serving Jesus, about giving Jesus through everything you think, say, and do. And from the womb to the tomb, from the kitchen to the corporate world, we all struggle with this worldly life. It's not easy. We know that. And, you know, you might say that this philosophy of life that, that sweeps through our culture, you know, in marriage, it might or friendships, it might sound something like, I love you, and I'm committed to you at least until I lost that love and feeling, right? That's kind of what our culture might say is, I'll love you and commit myself to you until I lost that love and feeling. Or, you know, I'll be there for you. These five words I swear to you when you live, I want to be the air for you. You know, I'll be there for you. As long as you give me what I want. See, there's always a, a, a condition of tide. I'll love you, I'll commit until you stop serving what I want, my needs. And, and this isn't just them out there, it's us in here. We all struggle with this. This is what we call in the church original sin. The effects of original sin where we struggle with selfishness. In a nutshell, that's what it is. You know, and on our college campuses or high schools, sometimes we might, it might sound something like this song. You and me, baby, ain't nothing but mammals. They do it like they do it on the Discovery Channel. That's the songs that kids listen to. That's promoting the me monster. It's promoting me, myself, and I, what we call the unholy trinity, me, myself, and I. And again, it's not that people always are aware of that they are just focusing their lives on serving self. We have to come into prayer. We've got to pray for each other that we can be aware of why we do what we do. What are we looking for? What do we want in life? And so we wake up one day to the reality of how much commitment, sacrifice, responsibility is necessary as essential ingredients for any marriage, family, and society to survive. And when we wake up to that reality, the cross, in a nutshell is what I'm talking about, when we wake up to the reality that a successful marriage, family, and society require 
human beings that aren't afraid of the cross. When we wake up to that, the temptation is, is what I call the temptation to run into the land of bachelordom. To run into this bachelor lifestyle, if you will, where we can do what we want, when we want. We don't have anyone to tell us what to do. We can make up our own rules or make up our own lifestyle. And it's a temptation, again, for all of us to run toward this. So our human nature is wounded. We are weakened by original sin. We don't have the ability to just choose love like we used to before the fall. And this is why God says, what is impossible for man is, imp- is possible for God. Grace enlightens the intellect to see and recognize that this life isn't just about amassing goods, maximizing pleasure, and minimizing suffering. Grace enlightens the intellect. Faith draws grace into our intellects. We can see greater than what we might see if we just live in a worldly life. And that's what the first reading is about, wisdom. The gift of wisdom is the gift that allows me to connect my life on earth to my eternal end. What end you have in mind will decide how you make your choices. If my end in mind is climbing the corporate ladder, that's how I'm going to make my choices in my marriage and family. If my end in mind is getting my family and kids and wife and husband to heaven, then I'm going to make my choices with that end in mind. And when we make those choices with the end of heaven in mind, we will love with the help of God's grace and we will experience the cross. And we will bring into the world as Catholics a culture of life and love. And this is not an easy calling, as you know. But it's very important that we are aware of this and recognize recognize this. So this month, October, which every month is, but October highlights it, is Respect Life Month. And one of the things I'd like you to think about is as Catholics, is, as you know, and this is also the 40 days for life, how are you bringing into the world the light of understanding that I just spoke about? Your philosophy of life is serving Jesus. And serving Jesus will cost you your lives. When you invest in Christ, you suffer sometimes. When you don't invest in Christ, you suffer. The only difference is one form of suffering is temporary. One form of suffering is the beginning of an eternal suffering. So we, we invest our lives in serving Christ as Catholics. And, you know, the issue that we tackle on the level of injustices in the church today, um, in society, we as a church have a lot to do, a lot of work to do. We need a lot of hands, we need a lot of bodies, we need a lot of help. So you're a part of this mission of Jesus. You're not just coming here to watch me up here and listen and learn and then walk out and do nothing. You're called to implement and teach and educate and enlighten people with the philosophy of life that Jesus gave us. That we lay our lives down so others can have life. And there's no single issue that's more important than fostering the fundamental right to life. And that's why the church focuses on this month as Respect Life Month or 40 Days for Life. We focus as Catholics on promoting the right to life. How are you doing that? One way, I think it's a great way to do it that some people might not like to put stickers on their bumper, but I think there's some great bumper stickers that make people think. 
Catholics have to make people think. Not just follow the crowd, but help people to think. Like we are created to think. To connect this life with the eternal life. To talk about, yeah, I hate, say, driving to work. I hate, I hate where I'm going right now. I hate going to work right now. I hate what I'm going to be going into. I don't like it. Why don't I like it? Let's take people deeper. Take people deeper. And these are just, you know, examples. But Jesus says to us, what you do to the least of my brothers and sisters, you do to me. The least among us are those in the world. I mean, it's hands down. These babies are vulnerable and need love. And we need to provide them with love. And we can help these women that are afraid to embrace the life in their wombs. And it's proven that as people are growing and being educated in abortion and how it's hurting women, people are starting to step up more and become more and more pro-life. And Mother Teresa has a great way of explaining. She says it's the gospel on five fingers. You did it to me. Jesus gives us the final exam question before the final. This is the final exam. When we die... You did it unto me, basically. You did it to me. What have you done to others you've done to him? And so we need to use wisdom, enlighten our minds, and realize how I love my wife is how I'm loving Jesus. How I love my husband is how I'm loving Jesus. How I love my kids is how I'm loving Jesus. How I stand up or don't for these little babies is how I'm loving Jesus. And again, what's Jesus saying in the gospel? Those who choose him, basically, will have all these things with persecution. (laughs) Persecution is healthy for the church. Persecution weeds out those who live a very lackadaisical Christianity. God wants either hot or cold. He doesn't want lukewarmness in the church. You're either hot in passionate love and trying to do your best to serve and love him, or you're just like, I'm here, and I go back out, and I just live back in the ways of the world's philosophy of life. Let's bring to the world this wisdom that we have in our church. And you know, the beginning of life in the womb is one of the most sacred times. And it's meant to be the safest and warmest and loving of places. And it's become one of the most dangerous of places to be. And that shouldn't be. We as Americans can do much better than abortion. Much better. Women deserve much better. And so we need to, again, educate people and teach people. You know, and this is one link that came to me in prayer and that I think has been not much talked about that's important, is the link between the predominant desire to want to fix the economy and abortion. Abortion is very much connected to our economic recession. Study it. Think about it. Pray about it. Discern it. See what you think about it. But think about it. If I could fire 70 million people tomorrow in our economy, Tuesday would be a bad day in Wall Street. Because 70 million people are out of work. 70 million people, or if I eliminate 70 million people, they aren't paying into the economy. 
These are households that won't be. Their children's children aren't here. They don't pay into Social Security and Medicare. Why? Because we bought into this philosophy of life. It's me, myself, and I. Sentimentalized when it's all the same. 